had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. Could make me be true. Snap out of it. Could the make me be true. Your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and the way you walk. Lit from within, Tracy. It had to be you, wonderful you. It had to be you. Hello, romantics. Welcome to It Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mather, and each episode I'll be chatting with a guest about one of their favorite romantic comedies from classics to modern hits. My guest today is Greg Mucci. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm like really... Um, Really excited to talk about this film uh, with you today uh, because it's a really interesting movie and it kind of a lot of uh, a lot to talk about. I feel like. Um, would you like to introduce the film for us today? Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, my choice was Crazy Stupid Love. Um, it's a movie that I had like a really deep connection with when it first came out in 2011. Uh, so I can't believe this movie is almost nine years old. Um, it's definitely making me feel old as hell, but, um, yeah, I mean, this is the first time rewatching it probably since I like OD'd on it when it came out. Cause I was an usher at, um, an AMC and I definitely, you know, part of the job was sort of me disappearing into the theater, you know, uh, in between cleaning. And I saw this movie maybe like four or five times when it came out. Oh wow! Um, yeah, I don't know. I so revisiting it, it's you know, there's definitely that fondness for it. I I do think it is. It has a really interesting script, um, a lot of characters. Um, but my my revisit was, you don't know, it was interesting. Um, when was the last time that you watched this? Um, yeah, I mean, prior to watching it for this podcast, I must have seen it, I think, last in, like, 2012, because, like, I know I got the Blu-ray for Christmas or for a birthday, because I, I was a huge fan of this movie when it came out as well, and um, so I know that I got the Blu-ray, and I know that I watched it on Blu-ray a number of times, just, like, on the background, like, you know, during the weekends, but... I seem to have misplaced the Blu-ray because I couldn't find it. Um, I probably lent it to someone and just never got it back. Oh, yeah. That, that <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, like, this movie has... In a weird way, this movie has a really special place for me because, like, um, this came out the summer before I... Or the summer after I graduated from college and was going to law school. Okay. So... Um, like this trailer came, like comes out I think in like May and it was like one of those trailers that like played with like every movie and I feel like I saw it so many times that it just became this like thing that I just was like I feel like I had memorized the trailer because I'd seen it so many times mm-hmm. and um, and it's a really effective trailer and I recommend I don't know if you've seen the trailer in a while or if the people listening haven't either but you should we should watch it because I think it's a really well edited trailer um, with like really perfect sound cues and just like it really sets this movie up as like you know kind of like the love actually model of just like a lot of disparate 
heard stories about you know people you know in kind of romantic stories and i remember thinking like this movie would be coming out like at the end of july and i'd be moving out of new york in um early august so i'm like okay this will be the last movie of like my like post-college summer before i have to like buckle down and like be like a real you know adult student mm-hmm. and so like um i just like always thought about this movie as like as like that for me because it was just like I felt like it, it was, like, seeing this movie would, like, mark the end of, like, an era of my life. And it seems silly now, but, like, when I was, like, 22, I was like, wow, this is this is big. Mm-hmm. And then seeing it, and I remember being, like, really sad after I saw it because I'm like, okay, this means I'm actually have to, like, leave New York, like, leave my college lifestyle, like, actually, like, become a, like, you know, go into this, like, serious stuff in my life. So... This movie has a lot of a lot of importance for me on that level, and it's uh, definitely watching it again is, is interesting because um, a lot of it has aged well, but some of it hasn't aged well at all. <laughs> and, oh yeah, I completely. And it's such a weird movie to watch, you know, because it feels so 2011. Oh, it. I mean, I feel the most 2011 thing about it is its needle drops. Yeah. Um, which. I think I feel like you know in 2011 when you're in the throes of like the sort of like indie uh, like buildup you're like ah oh, like th- like this is just really working for me like I'm really like I'm really digging this track and now I feel you know a bit removed from that you're just it's it feels kind of grating at times like it feels very I, I don't know like it's o- overdoing the sentimentality with the music. Um, I mean, there are moments that I, like, I really love. Um, I do I do really love the end song, um, which I wish I knew who it was by, because that would be nice for people to know. But, yeah, it's it feels very – it's weird to say it feels dated because it's only nine years old, but it definitely does. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And, like, um, it's, like, hard to pinpoint because you're right. Like, 2011, like, doesn't seem like a significant enough time to feel – like, this movie is, like, a nostalgia thing for, like, that era, but it kind of is, because, like, for one thing, like, we don't really get movies like this anymore, um, and definitely a movie with, like, this kind of cast in, like, these, like, especially, like, in thinking about, like, like this cast and, like, these specific roles, um, like, I feel like, you know, like, Steve Carell has kind of moved away from kind of being, like, the bumbling guy. You know, now he does a lot of, like, serious performances. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, Ryan Gosling has, like, he kind of went through this whole phase of his career of, like, being, like, the charming guy. You know, Emma Stone, of course, like, her career is, like, the most different um, from this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, Julianne Moore is kind of like she's always doing her thing, but even like, um, but like, but like even her, like I feel like she like doesn't really do as much comedy anymore, which is I think to everyone's detriment. But yeah, I mean, this movie is it's it's a really strange beast. But like it was funny, like I tweeted about watching this movie, like when I was watching it. And I got so many responses to people from people saying that they really loved the movie. They like loved watching it. They were like, um, tell, like this like a, like a friend of mine was like, I love this movie so much. And I was just like, wow, like I didn't know that like this movie had a lot of fans. I, I, in fact, I felt like people didn't like this movie because I feel like when it came out, the like critical response was a little muted. 
like people thought it was like good but not like not as good as love actually yeah i mean it's i didn't i never really i guess i feel like i was really far removed from any like film circle when this came out so i didn't really hear many like connections with love actually um it kind of i mean it definitely did feel like its own thing um i mean it's i mean it's by the by the guy who wrote bad santa which is like really bizarre to think about in a way um but there, I mean, there are moments where the dialogue, where like, you know, uh, Ryan Gosling's character Jacob is sort of like, you know, uh, he, he drops like he says ballsack. Uh, like, there are some lines where you're like, okay, I'm getting a little bad Santa vibe, but it you yeah. know clearly doesn't have that mean streak that we associate bad Santa with, and I feel like it's, I don't know, it's it, it's grown up. Um, and I appreciate that because it sort of it it writes in all these characters, especially this 13 year old uh, Robbie. And it's sort of I think it's sort of fascinating that it sort of takes his POV, which is, you know, I mean, it's as limited as you can be with a 13 year old, even though there's right. definitely there's definitely that moment where he's like, you know, being the wizened you know, adolescent who's talking to his dad and, you know, giving off words of wisdom, which, you know, I think is probably the, the eye roll inducing moment for me. Um, but that's just sort of my, uh, I guess, relationship with like screen kids in a way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can see the love actually connection. It's, I mean, it's cause it's a, it's an ensemble for sure. Well, I mean, it's, it's funny, like when I was watching this movie again um, for this podcast, I was thinking like how um, how much I think I would like this movie a little bit more if it had that sort of like ensemble thing where like it's stories that like are kind of related, but they're not like directly related to, to each other. And I guess, I mean, this movie like kind of hinges on a twist in like the middle of its second act or like beginning of the third act. And so if you haven't seen the film, yeah. um, you know, I think we'll probably have to spoil it because there's really no way to talk about it without spoiling it but mm-hmm. um you know if you, we're such a like spoiler verse culture right now that like i'm sure if i we've spoiled it spoiled it without giving a spoiler warning people i get mad uh, it's nine but, years um, like like you know if you want to see it it's it's there yeah yeah um, um yeah so like you know for me like the the twist of like Emma Stone being, you know, the daughter of Steve Carell and Julianne Moore, like I don't really know what that adds to the movie because <laughs> we don't really get much of a sense of like her reaction to like what her parents are up to, you know, because like obviously her mom had an affair and her dad is like, you know, sleeping around town with all these like younger women. So yeah. like I feel like even someone who's like studying for the bar would like have some sort of sense of like what's happening in her family's life. And like, they don't really have any comment about like her relationship with like Josh Groban or, and so to me, like the the payoff of her being the daughter is just so that like this can turn into like overprotective dad story, which I feel like doesn't really, doesn't do much for me. Um, And so I kind of wish that it was all just, more separated and like the central conflict was something else i guess yeah i mean the only hint is like you know uh occasionally um you know cal you know steve carell's character will like say he has three kids but i feel like so much is going on during that scene and just within the story that like you don't really that you don't see the third kid and i feel like it's so inconsequential that like 
by the time Emma Stone is revealed to be the third, it's it's weird because I mean they could have easily written in some sort of um, dilemma in her own life based off of her parents getting a divorce, but it's so far removed. And that you know when it eventually comes around, I feel like we ourselves are so far removed. It, yeah. But I, I feel like watching this, you know, like, like the crux of the entire film is like, you know, like, you know, the Will Smith movie Hitch. Mm-hmm. It's like the plot of that is like, OK, this guy, like it's his job. You know, he gets paid to do this and that for Ryan Gosling um, for his character, Jacob. He's literally just sitting at the bar watching sad sack Steve Carell drone on about being cuckolded and he's just like takes it upon himself to be like you know something i'm gonna change this guy and it's i don't know like that's what gets the plot going and it's very weird it's it moves without any sort of rhyme or reason yeah and i don't know and and i feel like that's sort of the fun of it but it also is sort of uh I, i guess slightly its issue um that i have with it um because I guess I want more between Julianne Moore and, and Cal. Because I think like the best moments are when he's spying on his wife, which yeah. you know paints him as a little bit of a creep. But it's he's spying on her, and like and she calls him trying to fix something with like the fireplace. But she really just wants to hear his voice, and it's like probably like, the most like tender scene of the whole movie. Yeah, and it's sort of like refreshing because I feel like a lot of it is like uh, Ryan Gosling's character, Jacob just sort of being this like weird LA version of a Jersey shore character. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, you know, this movie like having this sort of for, I guess, I mean, technically sex, cause you have like Marissa Tomei and Kevin Bacon. These are kind of yeah. small, smaller supporting roles but like having these like actors who are also like charismatic and just inherently good at their job you know that like mm-hmm. you know um that like we that like, we like seeing them in these sort of more like down-to-earth kind of like human moments like like you were saying with the um uh like with that scene where he's kind of spying on her and talking to her on the phone like that's such a like sweet moment even like even separated from the fact that like it's kind of creepy and weird, but like yeah, just taken as a scene like within the movie, like without any other outside context, it's very it's a very nice moment. Mm-hmm. And because it's just like you know, we have Julian Moore acting, Steve Carell acting, they have like such good chemistry, and you know, and like this movie is like feel this movie is very much like a movie star movie, which is why I think a lot of people like it, at least that I've seen, because like you have these like you know actors who are all just so like you know sweet and charming and they have a lot of presence and they're funny and um so just like this movie just like rides on their you know star personas and i think that's a lot of the purpose of the movie is just for it to be like a kind of like fun sweet comedy with like a lot of like really good actors yeah yeah i mean i I think with like the two directors definitely I think like they benefit from sort of being tender or I guess giving like a lot of attention to each character. And I think yeah. that really shows through, especially in um I don't want to call it a date because they hardly go out, but it's like I guess it's probably the scene that like, you know, it 
had a lot of draw in the trailer is the scene where like Ryan Gosling takes his shirt off and she's like, yeah. oh, you've been photoshopped or like, you know, it's, I mean, you know, he probably has, but it's like they, once they sort of get past the initial, um, I don't know, I guess butterflies or they start like kind of talking and it, the cameras moves between them really well. And it's never too much on him and it's never too much on Emma Stone. And I feel like the same can be said sort of with Julianne Moore and even Kevin Bacon as, you know, her, I guess like mistress type. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, and, and each person is really, yeah. Like bringing their a game, like even, even, Kevin Bacon, like he, there's like the scene where he's like mowing her lawn, and this is like it, it comes to him for like maybe five seconds, but he has this look that's like very sort of like devious in the way that like he is in the River Wild. Yeah, where it's like, like we know that like you're not really a, you're not like the the greatest guy because you're essentially I don't know aided in disrupting this marriage, but like you know it. You're also not a bad guy. It's it's like no one really is like uh like villainous in this, and I really appreciate that because it's not n- none of it's like clear cut. You know, it's like it's very complicated, and like I guess as the title says, it's like you know it's crazy, it's stupid. Um, I think I don't know. I feel like there's less stupid in it though. Yeah. Um, like I mean, it's 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 smart. I mean, I feel like you don't know. I know I know Steve Curl I think hated the title. Um I think he originally wanted to go with Wingman, which is is also not a good title. But um it's not a good title, but I think in some way it sells the movie better because it centralizes the friendship between Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling first mm-hmm. like this great like Crazy Stupid Love is a title that reminds me yeah, I mean I hate I mean to bring it up again, but like Love Actually you know, whereas kind of like a lot this like sort of ensemble kind of romance stuff kind of like you know um just a lot of different stories um but i mean crazy stupid love is kind of a generic title as well like it's i don't know i also feel like this movie isn't nearly as crazy as you know you want you might want to make it sound i mean like it's not as crazy as it could be um, I think they, I feel like they take the crazy and they give it all to Marissa Tomei, which is sort of, yeah. um, like this, like the scene at the PTA, um, meeting, like, ah, yeah, I don't know. Like she starts to lose it and like, I really, I love Marissa Tomei and I think she has like a lot of range, but they definitely sort of like chisel her into this, like, uh, like hysterical woman sort of archetype. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like they could have given her a bit more, but I feel like, I feel that way with like almost every movie she's in. Yeah. I mean, like this movie isn't as like farcical as I wanted it to be to kind of get away with that kind of character mm-hmm. because like, I've, like, or like that kind of scene. Cause I feel like that scene, like um, it, it turned, it's like, wants to be this kind of, like, high farce of, like, people yelling at each other and stuff, but it feels so, like, the rest the rest of the movie is so, like, grounded, and, like, even, like, just, like, the subplot of Steve Kronzui and more, like, that's such an earnest, like, grounded subplot than to, like, throw in this kind of, like, wild, crazy, you know, sexy one-night stand character. I don't know, just, 
it it comes off more gross than like far, than like over the top funny. Yeah. Um, um, and because like I feel like I just can't. I can't believe that anyone would be so unprofessional at a PTA meeting, but like I could believe it in like kind of a more like in a crazier movie, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, I feel, I feel like the dialogue itself sort of wants to be like Philadelphia story, like really like, you know, yeah. fa- like fast, like quips, like sort of like witty, um, but like, it comes off almost like surreal like she storms out of the, the, the school like after him you know swearing at him and i'm like okay you definitely lose your fucking job yeah I mean, right bomb i don't know if that's you know accessible acceptable but yeah. i like honestly like i know where we're two guys talking about this but like i feel like this movie is it doesn't have the most affection for its female characters maybe emma stone the most even though she like disappears for a large stretch like has this like amazing scene which we'll get into and then kind of gets thrown back into the sidelines but like mm-hmm. i feel like it's kind of judgmental towards marissa tomei and julian moore and in some way the teenage girl played by annalee tipton mm-hmm. um and then just like i don't know it just feels very like these women characters are so like boxed in oh for sure yeah yeah i mean I mean, it definitely gives sort of perspective for, like, the uh, Anne Lee Tipton character, um, who plays Jessica, the babysitter. Um, yeah. I mean, she's supposed to be, I think, three years older than Robbie, who's 13. Um, and I think Anne Lee Tipton was, like, 23 when she did this. Yeah. Um, I don't – I mean, I feel like most of the characters I don't get high school vibes from. I feel like – I mean, there are very few films, I think, sort of – match like what i feel is like an accurate depiction of high school Um, yeah yeah this movie feels very like romanticized oh yeah i mean i I feel like the way it's shot does that too is it feels very overexposed like there's a lot of light in a lot of it and like i i don't know i guess when i saw on the big screen you know a few times when it came out i didn't really think it was a I thought it was. I, th- I thought it looked good, but I. I don't know. I mean, things have changed. I. I don't find it has any scenes where I was like, "That's a great shot." And uh, yeah, I mean, like there are, there are a couple of shots of um, uh, like Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling when they're having their sort of like midnight conversations that like felt like they were composed well and like. I actually really like the shot of um, Deep Crowns being more like in the hallway of the school where they're kind of like su- they're like sitting in chairs outside a classroom with like the door between them and yeah yeah um, I mean like a, there's like here and there like, a couple of you know well composed shots but yeah on the whole like this movie is very bright and colorful and like um, pleasant to watch but not like in my opinion not really a ground like a groundbreaking groundbreaking or like interesting read as on a visual level yeah i mean it sort of comes off very dreamlike in the way yeah. of you know everything is sort of heightened um but yeah i don't like i mean i don't know go back to marissa like marissa tomei and like julian moore's character it's i feel i don't know it, it never really takes cal's character and sort of um i guess focuses on like what what happened between them 
it was it, it almost sort of was like i felt like the blame came down on her for sleeping with another guy right yeah i mean there was some like some discussion of like i feel like like ryan gosling would be like well you know she cheated on you because you lost sight of who you are as a man and like didn't really take care of himself like physically and like the way he dressed and the way he acted or even like emotionally or, or mentally so like i feel like that's it's like um like once like steve carell like goes through his makeover i feel like then the we just becomes like really uh judgmental towards julian moore and even like with i mean and to me like that feels exaggerated because uh you have the teenage daughter the teenage girl um emily tipton who's always like so harsh to julian moore in a way that's so unnecessary and oh yeah your slutty money is the one yeah like that line to me like when i watched that i was i was like my jaw dropped i was like wait that's that's such an insane thing to say to someone who is your technically employer and it's like i get it she's like in love with steve carell so she feels like protective over him and that's kind of interesting but like i feel like that's not really articulated it's just kind of like i don't know it's a lot of the perspectives in this movie felt really strange to me and i really couldn't I really couldn't pin down like how I'm so supposed to feel about these characters. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's sort of this like moral compass that gets a little bit lost, and like yeah. I don't need that in films. But it's like, you know, she calls Julian Moore's money slutty, you know, because she sleeps with you know Kevin Bacon's character. But it's like going like. And I never get the sense of how big this town is because it feels really small. Like everyone yeah. seems to be gossiping about everybody. But it's like she knows that, you know, Cal's all of a sudden become this like, you know, a playboy essentially. And, you know, get it's Julian Moore's money who's slutty. And then I feel like there's never really any discussion about like, you know, um, like how a 16 year old, you know, should should be. With like uh, I don't, I don't know how how old Steve Carell's character is supposed to be. I'm guessing like, like mid to late forties, I guess. Yeah, you know, or mid forties, yeah. And I don't know. I feel like it spends a lot of time, you know, with Robbie, and saying that like you know it's inappropriate for him to be going after Anthony Tipton's character who's three years older, and then it goes back to Anthony Tipton saying like it's inappropriate to be going after Steve Carell. And but I feel like that gets really lost, you know. Once yeah, so like I feel like it, oh, it's juggling too many characters, you know. I feel that it's not as tight as it wants to be, but it, yeah, def- right. But it definitely, because I feel like it's trying to handle so many tones. Like given its title, I feel like it's you know trying to be quirky, trying to be serious, trying to be like kooky, crazy, and a lot of that is sort of left on certain individuals. Um, but it's sort of weird because when the film like opens, it's like panning across these like uh, feet under dining tables um, at this restaurant. And it's like, you know, everyone's playing footsie and everyone has really nice footwear. And then it lands on Cal's feet and they're like, you know, firmly planted on his side. And he's wearing these like super beat up uh, New Balance or Nike's Nike 407s or whatever it is. And I feel like, you know, and then when you meet Jacob it's showing his feet gliding across the bar floor in these like really nice shoes. And I feel like the entire film is about clothes and about, you know, 
if once you redefine your wardrobe, you redefine yourself. And I feel like that's not enough to save a marriage. Yeah. It's, you know, and I, I mean, yeah, if, if I had, you know, a lot of money, I too would also go buy suits and maybe tell myself that I'm, I'm better than the gap, but it's, you know, it ends up, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird messages. I feel. Yeah, I know exactly. And, um, you know, what, what kind of boggles my mind is like how Steve Carell is like obsessed with Ryan Gosling to the point like where he's like harassing him by like phone calls and like wants him to like teach him and, you know, help him like hook up with all these women. But then like the minute he finds out that Ryan Gosling is dating his daughter, he's like, you're trash. You don't deserve my daughter. And I'm like, well, you know, the girls you slept with were also someone's daughter you like didn't treat them well at all so like thing it's like they're like even in like the imdb uh like blurb it says girls you know he's not yeah you know women and it's like you you are getting i mean marissa tomei aside i'm assuming because he slept with nine other people and in between his time off from julian moore it's like most of them were probably mid-20s so that age difference right there sort of makes you, I don't want to say scummy, but like if you're going to throw, you know, stones at Ryan Gosling's perfectly chiseled glass house, then it's like, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that was a weird moment. Um, But yeah, I just felt like, like, I don't know, to me, like the whole idea of like, you can't date my daughter is just so retrograde. And like, I don't know, I've never seen that in real life. You know, so maybe that's mm-hmm. something that does happen in real life or does something that's like common enough, but it's such a like annoying cliche for me. But it's also something that I feel like people like to see in movies, maybe because it does like it does feel like like on some level, like people see that and they're like, oh, he's a good dad. You're adorable. No, I am sexy. I am R rated sexy. Okay, I know what happens in the PG-13 version of tonight, all right? I know. It's that I get I get really drunk, and then I pass out, and you cover me with a blanket, and you kiss me on the cheek, and nothing happens. But that's not why I'm here. I am here to bang the hot guy that hit on me at the bar. Jacob. Jacob. Are people still saying bang? Oh, I do. We are going to bang. Hmm? This is happening. Take off your shirt. Why? Please, will you take off your shirt? Because really? I can't stop thinking. And then you just... Okay, 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 okay. All right, okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. Fuck! Seriously? It's like you're photoshopped. Can I... Ah, you have cold hands. Now you take off your dress. No. Yes. No way. Not with all that going on. No, thank you. Is there dim lighting somewhere? Oh, God. Okay, so then what do we do? What happens now? Like, logistically? What's your move? What do you mean, what's my move? What's your move? Like, what's your big move? I got lots of moves. What's your big move? I'm going to tell you my big move. Tell me your move. You're not ready for the big move. Yes, I am. I want your big you move. You can't handle the big move. Trust tell me. Tell me your big move. I work dirty dancing into the conversation. Dirty dancing. Can I sit down, please? Yeah. Can I put back on my shirt? No. Having said that, 
Um, I do believe that Emma Stone is probably the best performance in the movie. And, like, I say that as someone who is a admitted Emma Stone fan. Like, I have loved her since Superbad and pretty much all her performances that I've seen from her. And this movie, even though, like, she's barely in it, I feel like she has, like, maybe, like, three scenes where she's, like, doing a lot. Um, mm-hmm. like when she's on screen and like, like her chemistry with Ryan Gosling is just like off the charts. So, um, I yeah, to me like what like their their whole like sequ- extended sequence like in the middle of the night where they're like the, doing the dirty dancing thing and talking about like the sharper image stuff merchandise that he has and just like. Like lying in bed, chatting and like sharing with each other. Like, I don't know. That to me is like the best part of the movie and like what I want this movie to be more of, which is like them just like a lot of chemistry, a lot of good banter, a lot of good performances. So, I don't know. Like, what do you think about, you know, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling in this movie? I mean, it's, it's so weird because this movie, you know, starts with a John Legend song and it's like, and I'm, you know, personally not a John Legend fan, so the song almost sounds like it would be from that band in La La Land. Oh, and, yeah. And, and they're, like, the romantic lead, so it's, like, it's super weird. And, I mean, this is also, I don't think this is the first time that they've been, because they were in Gangster Squad together, where they were also a couple. And I just yeah. feel like, you know, within Hollywood, this is, like, they're, like, oh, okay, like, ha- like who do we get to play the romantic lead? And they're, like, oh, is, like, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling available? And they're, like perfect people love them and I, I i mean and i do love them i think like they're they're really good and i think they play off each other well because like ryan gosling's character is a lot to handle and emma stone sort of i don't know doesn't like tame it necessarily but i don't know i think she's a lot funnier than both steve carell and ryan gosling in this yeah um and i say that also you know in a way about super bad you know she's going up you know, with Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill, who, and I, I love that movie. I think it's hysterical, but you know, every moment she has in that movie, I feel like she steals. And yeah, I'm probably, I mean, I haven't seen easy a, which I think came before this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and apparently that's, uh, like an adaptation of the Scarlet letter. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like, um, it's not exactly an adaptation because, like, they're reading it in school, you know? Oh. So it's, like, it's, like, it, it's not, like, oh, I just happen to be living this, like, Scarlet Letter story, but it's, like, she's, like, deliberately, like, making herself into, like, a Hester Prim-type character. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I think, I mean, the scene that you, you know, were discussing with, you know, them sort of talking about how he's bought like every, you know, made for TV product, which I find really endearing, um, you know, cause like the, like the, like the memory foam pillow, I think like, uh, the, the knife that can cut through pennies. And I feel like, yeah, in like 20 years, like we'll watch that and be like, Oh wow. Do you remember that? Um, but there's like, there's, I mean, there's a scene in the beginning of that, if they're like sort of engagement where they're talking about how if this night ends PG-13, it will be that like, you know, she passes out on the couch and he puts like a blanket over her and kisses him. And like it ends up flipping that where she does it to him. And I think it's like, yeah. I think it's a really nice way to sort of, uh, 
I guess, like tenderize Jacob's character because so much of the movie is like him kind of being a moron, you know, if I'm going to be like really harsh. Cause I feel like he's picking up these women at the bar or um, I think that's at like the same bar and he's using the dumbest lines and like lines that like shouldn't work. And the only reason they work is cause you look like Ryan Gosling and, yeah. you know, and like at the end of it, you know, when Cal dresses nicely and he, I guess goes home with women, it's, I don't know. It's almost like you need to be able to dress nicely and look like Ryan Gosling. Other, otherwise, like, you know, like God help you. And I, I feel like, you know, the scene, you know, later on in the film when, uh, Jacob, uh, Gosling's character calls, uh, Cal back and is like, you know, asking him about what to do because he's fallen in love. i like, I really love that. I love the moments of sort of this like intimate male, uh, like connection. Um, cause I mean, I feel like at that point I'm sort of like, okay, well this is definitely like a male driven and male focused film, you know, despite having Emma Stone and Marissa Tame and Julianne Moore. Um, I feel like it does really well at sort of defining um, intimacy between friendship. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like this movie is more interested in Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell, uh, you know, their friendship, their relationship, than any of their relationships with women. Um, and which is, I mean, it's, it, that's close, I mean, it's sort of an interesting take on on this kind of movie, you know, because like. By centering on their friendship, like it, you know, it does offer up a like a, a kind of fun dynamic between them of like mentor and you know the person being like coached on this and and then like to have like the central like kind of third act conflict between the two of them is kind of interesting. But I I don't know. I just I'm also like well I'm watching a romantic comedy, not you know not like a Judd Apatow type like guy <laughs> comedy, you know what I mean? So, which is like funny that you bring that up because there's the, um, I think like, the, it's like the first interaction that uh, Cal has with Marissa Tomei's character, Kate at the bar. And he's essentially pulling like the same dialogue that he had with um, in four year old virgin when he's hitting on um, Elizabeth Banks character at the, at the bookstore where it's like, you know, be coy and he's just sort of like – the way he redirects the conversation, it felt very 40-year-old virgin, um, which, I mean, I guess in a way, you know, cash in on that if you can. Yeah. But like, it was uh, almost right. like a mirror image scene, and I was like, this is – Yeah, I'm like, where is the, like, chest waxing? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I really – I don't know. I, I have a weird relationship with this movie now. And I, I feel like it's really, it really is charming, but like yeah. it's one of those movies where I feel like it's, it's doing all these things because I mean, it's, you know, they're like an easy a, you know, they're reading Scarlet letter here with like Robbie, like the 13 year old son. He's like painting the Scarlet letter on his chest. Oh and, yeah. I didn't even make that connection. Wow. Yeah. And like, in the, and there's like, you know, there's sort of La La Land vibes and, I don't know. And then Josh Groban's in it in his, you know, first acting role. And yeah, that's definitely weird. It's weird. I mean, he plays that character like really well, but like, I don't know. And then there's like this whole thing with like straw sucking that like, you know, I, Ryan Gosling, he uses some like Yiddish word, I think 
Um, you know, yeah. like to essentially equate straw sucking to like, you know, dick sucking, which is weird because it's, it's a really weird vibe. Yeah, the, like that's why I feel like this movie is. It reads a lot more retrograde now than it probably. I mean, because like in 2011, I remember seeing this in the theater, and like my entire audience like ate it up. And like oh, I don't know what your experience was in like when you're working at the theater, but I imagine it's probably similar. Like it's people just start just enjoying it and like laughing and with the movie so much. Oh, uh, people ate it up. I mean, every time I saw it, um, I mean it was the same year as Drive, and yeah. every, time I, every time I saw Drive, um, and every time I saw Crazy Stupid Love, it was. It was a packed house. I mean, yeah. a lot of people, I think, I don't know. I mean, I was 20, like 21, 22 when I was an usher, but definitely a lot of like late 20s, early 30s, a lot of couples, a lot of married couples, I think, from what I can recall. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm trying to remember like, you know, ages based off of how much trash I had to pick up because it's sort of an indicator of, you know, the age group where it's oh, like – really. Yeah, it's like if I have to, you know, clean a Kung Fu Panda showing, it's like, yeah, there's a bunch of diapers. And then it's like if I have to clean something that's like an older crowd. So, you know, they're a little bit more respectful in a way. Um, but, you know, I think I think it was a pretty wide range group. But, yeah, they, they ate it up. I mean, I think the movie works really well in that setting um, versus, you know, me watching it by myself, you know, almost nine years later. Yeah, I know exactly. I had a very similar experience. Like, I don't know. Like, I still, it's one of those movies that I feel like is so likable, even if it's like trying really hard not to be likable. You know what I mean? Like, um, like, like there's that scene between the little boy and Kevin Bacon where he's like, um, like lifting his chair up in some sort of like <laughs> power dynamic. And like, first of all, what like twelve year old knows to do that? Yeah. Um, like, what, like, negotiator book did he read? <laughs> but also, it's the kind of scene that, like, you know, sounds really cute, but then, like, you think about it, and you're like, wait, why is this guy so, like, obsessed with his mom's love life? Like, I get it, like, you know, the family's being torn apart, but, like, I don't know, it just feels like, I mean, that whole character, that 13-year-old boy or whatever, is, like, Honestly, I kind of wish you were not in the movie as much because, like, a lot of the ickiness I get from this movie comes from, like, him. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, like, I'm like, okay, like, okay, yeah, you want to show he has a crush on the babysitter, that's fine, but then why would he tell her that he thinks about her when he's, like, masturbating, and, like, why would he talk to his parents about it? Like, I don't know, it's so... I mean, yeah, I have that thing where, like, you know, a, a kid, like, a child actor can make or break a movie. Yeah. And yeah. this kid almost breaks it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of it is his haircut, which they address at the end. You know, he looks like a shaggy. He looks awful. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't know, I couldn't take him seriously because I was like, okay, you're telling your dad, you know, what love is, but you don't even know what a good haircut is. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And it's like, I know, I mean, well, now he's, like, probably, like, twenty twenty one, so I don't feel that bad for kind of dragging him, but, like, yeah, he's <laughs> he's a major black hole in this movie, and I feel like, yeah, it's just, like, every time he's on screen, I was like, please, just go back to, like, I'm like, wait, let's just go back to, like, Emma Stone, like, why, 
Like, why am I wasting time with this one kid when I can be with, like, Emma Stone? But, um, or even yeah. Julian Moore. I mean, okay, I, speaking of that, like, I have to ask you, like, like, did you see the twist coming when you first saw it? Do you remember if you had any, like, thoughts about it? Oh, that Emma Stone was the third daughter? Yeah. Third daughter? No, I, no way. I mean, I feel like, I mean, there's no emotional sort of, like, connection that could like sort of lead you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's me, bizarre. Yeah, me either. And like I know my audience. Like I remember that like people were like shrieking. Um, but then I remember reading like either like reviews on Letterboxd or like on, on Twitter or something. People are like, oh, well, it's so obvious because like both actresses have red hair. And I'm like, yeah, I guess like I can see we wanted to have actresses with like different hair color, but also like. Emma Stone and Julian Moore feel like exactly the right kind of actors you would put in this movie in this point of time. So like, to me, it didn't it didn't seem like a clue at all. I I remember being completely shocked. Um. So yeah, I just wanted because like, there seems to be some debate on like, well, I mean not debate, but like, whenever I hear people talk about this movie, people always kind of bring up that like, the twist is obvious, which I. I called BS on. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I guess I, I don't know, not to spin it in a, a certain genre direction, but it's when I, like when I first saw Saw in theaters, you know, I yeah. had friends who were like, oh, I knew the guy in the middle was like totally jigsaw. And it's like, there's no way you could have known that. And I don't think anyone could have seen this coming because it's written. So I don't know. I don't want to say poorly, but sort of haphazardly, like it's, you know, like even the friend could have easily made a connection like, oh, like you should call your dad, you know, see if he's OK. You don't have to name. Yeah. Him. Yeah. There's really no like. Um, yeah. I mean, episode doesn't doesn't bring up anything about her like real family in like the first half of the movie. Um, she has I guess she happens to like not see you know, her dad at that bar, or the friend doesn't see the dad, or the friend hasn't met the dad. It's, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. I think that, it's, you know, it's like you say it's haphazardly, but I feel like it's almost like overly written to make it seem like to, to make the twist work. And like Dan Fogelman wrote this film, he also created This Is Us, which is, an, another, which is a show that was like very much um, reliant on these sort of twists that are not that well yeah I've seen um, the- foreshadowed but like are very effective you know in the moment yeah i've seen the first like four or five episodes yeah of season one and i like it i mean it's really hard to get me into like a tv show uh, right. but i don't know i mean that also i think rides off its you know the the charisma of its of its yeah act. exactly um and i mean yeah, I don't know. Like Mandy Moore is like really great in it. Um, Sterling K. Brown, of course. Milo, you know, Ventimiglia. Yeah, I mean, This Is Us has a great cast, and um, but eventually it's just got to be too too manufactured for my taste, and so I kind of fell off mm-hmm. on it. Even though, like, I I still haven't enjoyed it when I was watching it, but yeah, it felt very much like almost too like engineered, right? So yeah. Um, do you have any final thoughts on Crazy Stupid Love before we wrap up or anything you want to bring up? Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like with like the directors um, or the writers, I feel like, you know, with, with the connections to like Easy A and uh, I don't know, it, it feels like it's very much playing off of all these different pieces in Hollywood. And it feels like it's nodding to all these things that like, some that even have like, you know, yet to happen. Um, but I think one of my favorite scenes is when it shows uh, – Jacob, like Ryan Gosling, in his home by himself. Yeah. And and I don't know when the Ryan Gosling doesn't eat his cereal meme came out. Um, I'm not sure if that was after this or like you know. Around I feel like it must have been because like I feel like 2011 between like this film and Drive, like that was sort of the year that like Ryan Gosling became like a major star like i know he had been in um like laws and the real girl and the notebook of course but like half nelson half nelson yeah but i feel like this like i feel like this movie is in a weird way like really influential in terms of his star persona especially regarding emma stone like i feel like without this movie you probably don't get them cast in la la land together oh yeah or like and like i feel like yeah i that meme you're talking about, that like "Hey Girl" meme that was going around, like I feel like it comes from this movie, and I feel like this movie has such a like odd legacy in that I feel like it's it's almost like forgotten, except that people seem to really like it, and like it feels yeah, like point. I don't know, it's like it's it's a weird it's a weird thing to think about, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely surprised at the amount of love it has. I mean, I usually yeah. sort of uh, gleam like you know, or how much love it has based off letterbox. And, you yeah. know, I was surprised to see it has a 3.5. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I definitely, I hold it, you know, very closely to my heart based off of where I was when I saw it, um, what it meant to be there. Um, I think like it's, you know, you have like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and you have a lot of films in like the early 2000s, mid 2000s using like John Bryan score. And I feel like this, like, completely ditches that for a lot of indie drops um which aren't really my favorite but i guess going back like the scene where cal is or sorry jacob is eating he's eating cereal in his home alone and it's like you know late at night and i don't know i immediately was like you guys ron gosling loves cereal he's eating golden crisps he's like reading the back of the box but i also thought that was like a really great scene just to sort of you know easily touch upon his like loneliness in a way yeah which doesn't necessarily oh i guess it it doesn't remedy his sort of chauvinistic qualities you know but he's definitely like more of like a wounded bird than you know he leads on to believe and i think it's like a short little sweet scene that i kind of like it says a lot yeah exactly i mean this i mean yeah, this this movie has a lot of um, a lot of really great moments, and like this film was uh, directed by Glenn Ficarra and John Riqua, and mm-hmm. like they are they, you know they made like Focus and uh, Whiskey T- Tango Foxtrot and Olive Philip Morris, and I mean I to me like they're not like the best directors out there, but um, oh, they certainly. Do have some sort of flair, and they definitely have an eye for casting because, like, all these films are like exceptionally cast. And um, yeah, I mean, I 
as much as I, could, I have a lot to criticize about this movie, I still like enjoyed watching it. And um, I think a lot of that has just to do with the fact that like it's easy for me to get kind of swept away by like these like four leads, especially you know Emma Stone and like yeah. Um, I so. And plus, John Carroll Lynch is in it, and I mean, yeah, I mean, like, he was. I found actually found him really irritating in this movie, but that's also because I'm like, like the whole the whole like so, like the mini kind of subplot about like her taking like, or um the babysitter taking like nude photos of herself, and then like her parents finding it, it, looking at it, which I think is so creepy. I'm like immediately racing to like go punch out Steve Carell, but I'm like, I need to at least ask her at least like. I don't know, just, yeah. again, that sort of, like, overprotective dad thing that, like, feels so, like, icky and, like, regressive to me, but I think people find kind of, like, funny or, like, heartening or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think, like, uh, what's what's interesting about that scene, like, you know, especially it it helps sort of make the film feel dated, which I think says a lot more about, like, how quickly we're moving. Is that, like, she's taking nudes using a digital camera. Oh, yeah. Then she's printing them and putting it in like an envelope to uh, supposedly mail to Cal. Um, you know, it's like, like for him somewhere. Yeah. It's just weird. Like watching that, especially in a day and age where it's like, you know, you're, you, people could send snaps of nudes that disappear in 30 seconds. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's so weird. And like, it really made the film feel like super dated. And I don't know. It's like a weird, I had to adjust for that. It was just weird. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I still feel like this this is a movie that I can recommend because it's it's kind of an easy watch, even though it's maybe like maybe like twenty minutes too long. Um, and yeah, uh, Greg, uh, thank you so much. Where can people find you online? Um, I mean, I'm on Twitter as Real Brew R E E L. Um. On Instagram, um, mostly on Twitter, I guess, you know, I kind of can't get off that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I write um, for Talk Film Society a little bit, um, Nightmarish Conjurings. Um, I, I procrastinate a lot, you know, you could definitely find me doing that. Um, but, I, I, yeah, definitely thank you for bringing me on. Um, you know, I wonder how this would have been if I chose definitely maybe, but, you know. Maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, I would love to have you back to – talk about that film I, I, yeah. I like that movie a lot although I haven't seen that movie in years so who knows maybe it could be just as oh yeah same <laughs> just as hard to watch <laughs> uh, you can find me on twitter at the Manish 89 and please follow the podcast at itpod2u uh, you can find my writing at talkfilmsociety.com as well uh, please remember to rate, rate review, subscribe so that people can find the podcast uh, Greg, thanks again. I had a really great time chatting with you about this movie and yeah, know, watching you. it and stuff. I'm, I, even though we had some like things to like talk about, I'm glad you picked it because it was really fun to like go back to this movie. Oh yeah, I mean I, I don't know how long it would have taken me to revisit it, but yeah. I'm glad that it's it's a comfort film as much as as, as disjointed as it is. Yes, and to listener, thanks for listening. Bye.